How do you f*** that intro? <laughs> do your best job. Good morning. I'm feeling a bit chilly this morning, so sorry Nathan if I start jumping about from right to left a little bit. <laughs> You're saying I'm not tall enough? Cheers, John. Right. Now I've received my instructions, we are ready to go. <laughs> I thought it was a good idea, but it wasn't. <laughs> John, come on. <laughs> See, all through my teen years, John gave me guidance <laughs> for about my future life, and here he is again. <laughs> Some things never change, do they? Cheers, John. Well, hello. I'm Josh and I am one of the youth leaders here at CCC. I have the privilege of looking out for our lovely youth. Um, and today, as you've heard, it is the last, the very last one of our summer series of learning about Jesus's parables. I'm a bit reluctant in a way to call it the last of the summer series because I'm sort of hoping that at some point in September, summer might turn up. Um, I'm looking forward to the picnic after church. I had a little kind of rummage in the cupboards before I came this morning and I managed to produce a baguette, no filling, just a baguette and some toffee popcorn. <laughs> so if you're looking for uh, a nutritious lunch, then come over and find me later on. Um, if you'd like to turn with me to John, we're in chapter 10 this morning, starting at verse one. So open up your Bibles, unlock your phones, or just listen in. John chapter 10. <clears throat> Are we there? So the shepherd and his flock. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. I can just imagine Jesus at this point thinking, oh, for goodness sake. And then sort of going, sure this Jesus guy is meant to be a great teacher. What's he going on about sheep and all sorts? So Jesus goes on. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Amen. Yeah, Lord, I pray that this morning you would be here. Thank you that we have you. Thank you that by your Holy Spirit you've got something to say to all of us this morning. And I just pray that we would be ready to listen, ready to take it in, ready to be changed by you this morning. Amen. So, this passage here in John is one that scholars have done a bit of wrestling over. Is it parables? Do we have allegories? Is it a mixture of both? Not sure. But scholars, they're not very good at wrestling but they are good at telling us more about the Bible and unpacking what Jesus wants to say to us. So we're going to focus more on that this morning. Now, at this point, I just want to mention that Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders here and the particular religious leaders that he was talking to, they were pretty awful people. They had actually recently been really cruel to a man born blind and his parents. And you might be thinking at this point, well, Josh, that's really awful. I mean, I'm not that bad. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not mean to blind people. That's pretty much the worst thing you could do. However, unfortunately, we're not as far away from these religious leaders as we would like to think we are. Their hearts weren't in the right place. And if we know that our hearts aren't completely there yet, if we haven't quite reached perfection, then this applies to us too. If you are perfect, please sit back, relax, grab yourself a coffee, a J2O, a margarita, your drink of choice, close your eyes, drift off to somewhere hot and sandy this morning. But if you're like me, and you know that you still need his word, you still need the truth every day, and then let's listen to what Jesus is saying. Um, we're going to start with the first five words of this passage this morning because the start is a good place to start. And the very first five words are these, I tell you the truth. In other translations we see it as most assuredly. In one translation we have verily, verily. I like that, verily, verily. Um, now 
if somebody tells you something, maybe a story or their version of events, and they start it off with, I promise you, I'm telling the truth. I'm, I'm not lying. Do we always believe what they're saying? Have we learned to treat it with a bit of caution? I mean, in court, you swear to tell the truth, don't you? But even when you've sworn to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, as amazing as it seems, people don't always tell the truth. Um, I work in a primary school and when one of my little madams or misters comes up to me to tell me something that's been happening at break time, someone punched them in the face or something exciting like that, they, they'll often say at the beginning or at the end, no, I'm really telling the truth. I promise, I promise, Jamie did it. And I've been fooled enough times to treat that with <laughs> at least a little bit of caution these days. But this isn't a courtroom. This isn't my classroom. This is Jesus speaking. This is the one who's in charge of our lives. He's in charge of our fate. And when he speaks, it's, it's always good to listen up. Jesus does what he does very often in this passage and he uses the really simple world in a way of sheep and shepherds and flocks and fields and gates and doors. It's all very lovely. Um, but he's using this simple world to tell us something so much greater. We've got different roles here in this passage. I sort of like to imagine it as the movie credits. We've got God as the shepherd. Introducing Jesus as the door. And then we have us, the humans, as the sheep. I like to imagine it as maybe a reception play where the parents have been put in charge of the costumes and it's performance night and the little ones kind of run in all excited and a very eclectic mix of <laughs> different costumes and wonderful things going on. Um, God would undoubtedly have his sort of tea towel on his head with his Havana's flip-flops. Jesus, well, I like to think that Mary and Joseph would have been those really sort of keen parents who went through loads of effort and um, produced this spectacular door costume with a kind of brass knocker and a handle and everything as well. And then us as the sheep, I'm sure we'd be there with our sort of balls of cotton wool that would be falling off all over the stage and causing a slipping hazard for everyone. Um, I've actually got my own dress-up item today, which I'm going to put on now. I'm quite grateful to have this, actually, because I'm feeling quite chilly. And this is what one of my friends calls my vulnerable lamb jacket. Um, <laughs> Don't know whether that's a good thing or not. <laughs> oh, that's so much better. Um, but I'm going to put this on because I'm going to get into role now myself and I'm going to bring to you a sheep's guide, that's me, to being a sheep. So being a sheep for far too long now, I would say, has been seen as a bad thing, right? Yeah. Hang on, the, the bad jokes are coming soon. Just wait, just give me five minutes. <laughs> So you're a sheep if you wear those Levi's, because everyone wears Levi's. You're a sheep, this is one for the classroom, if you stick your hand up because, oh, 
Everyone's got their hand up. I didn't even hear what Mr. Big said, but my hand's going up. You're a sheep if you listen to Ed Sheeran, because everyone listens to Ed Sheeran, right? Um, so being a sheep has been an insult far too long. So I'm here to tell you today that it's not being a sheep that's the problem. It all comes down to whose pen you're in, right? So that leads me on to tip one of my sheep guide for today. Choose your pen wisely. Now, there are lots of different shepherds out there. Lots and lots. You've got some okay shepherds. You've got some weird shepherds. Got some outright bad shepherds. There are some shepherds out there who definitely forged their shepherd's license. Shouldn't be in the game. Um, but despite their faults, these shepherds amazingly tend to attract loads and loads of sheep. I don't know whether it's their tantalising offers of genetically modified extra tasty grass or huge indoor barns with underfloor heating and poolside bars. But they attract loads of sheep. The thing is though, with these shepherds, is that they're in it for themselves. They don't really, really care about their sheep when it comes down to it. At the end of the day, the things that their sheep need, the real food and drink, they're not going to get it. The only one who can give us that is the Good Shepherd. These guys are the hired hands that Jesus is talking about in verses 12 and 13. Let's read it again. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. If you want to avoid this, you need the good shepherd. If you want to be never forgotten, never left behind, never pushed right down that priority list, you need him. And this is more than just comfort. This isn't just us taking him because, oh great, thanks God, that's really convenient for me. Yes, he's the ultimate comforter. He gives us comfort when we need it. But this is the right way. This is what we've been made to do, to choose him. Forbes magazine published a list a few years ago of things that people desperately desire, but they really struggle to obtain. And on that list are the following. Happiness, peace, freedom, joy, fulfillment, confidence. He promises you all these things, right? But I just want to stop at this point because I'm aware that I hear these promises and I think, great, but I enter human mode, earth mode. I hear words like joy and I think of Marcus Rashford smashing the ball in the top corner and going wild. I hear words like fulfilment and I picture myself in the restaurant polishing off the fifth and final course of my dinner, the, the golden gooey caramel crunch sundae. I hear words like peace and I imagine my class being silent for a whole glorious minute. 
And I've learned to associate these words with those kind of everyday experiences. And who can blame me, right? They're my everyday. But the Bible's got more to say on that. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. Church, this isn't the peace of a day off work. This isn't the freedom of choosing between Tetley, PG Tips and Yorkshire Tea. This isn't the happiness I get when I see that they've made all 12 series of Doctor Who available on iPlayer. It goes way beyond that. This is about our inner being. This isn't my emotions, your emotions. This is true freedom. We're only going to get this if we choose his pen. So, tip number two. Go through the main entrance. Well done. You've chosen the right pen. And now all you need to do, come on, walk through that door. Easy, right? However, did you notice a few back alleys on your way in? A couple of side entrances. They look tempting, right? Did you notice the signs that offered an express pass to all activities? John tells us that these will be tempting. But Jesus has a warning for this. Back in verse 1. Let's read it. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Even at this point, you may be thinking, oh, a thief, a robber, sounds kind of cool. I'm imagining myself with my balaclava and the Mission Impossible music going on in the background as you backwards roll out of sight. But this is eternity we're talking about. There's only one way in. Only one way, and that's the front door. I very cleverly blue-tacked my notes to the lectern here, which is actually working a treat. Take note. <laughs> the signposts that you saw earlier, with those promises directing you to those back alleys, side entrances, they lied. They don't point to the father. They only lead back to ourselves. I was in Liverpool recently and me and my friend, we came across a place called the Quirky Quarter. It's really, really cool. It was um, full of lots of weirdness and wackiness, had things like upside down rooms, uh, like mind boggling puzzles. There were sort of twists around every corner. At one point, we came across a mirror maze. It was the last part of the, the whole kind of journey that you go through um, and I was slightly mortified because the first thing you realise is there's about 20 of you at least kind of just all around in every direction. I think I finally realised how my sisters must have felt growing up with me. Just Josh, Josh and more Josh. Um, and I started doing this thing where I kind of had my hands out like this and I was feeling in front of me because you're trying to work out what's mirror and what's not and just look ridiculous. Um, but eventually, oh thank goodness, I found the end, I found the door, I opened it up and wow, the whole picture 
in front of me completely changed, completely. I could see the world, I could see other things. I couldn't see myself at all. Jesus is the door. He's the one that opens everything out in front of us, takes us away from ourselves and shows us what's out there. <clears throat> Let's just turn to Job for a second. So Job, as many of you will know, had a really, really tough time. I mean, this guy, you've got to feel sorry for him. And throughout the book of Job, there's this kind of war of words between Job himself um, and some sort of friends or associates, others who are trying to impart their own wisdom and give advice. And Job's not really happy with it. He's, he's like, guys, this is not, this is not the time. Um, but there's one guy called Elihu. I believe that's the pronunciation. I did that thing of looking it up on Google and somebody told me it was Elihu. So we'll go with that. And um, this is what he's got to say in Job chapter 36. Elihu says, he, God, is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction. He is wooing you. I don't know when the last time was that you got wooed, but God is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction. We're not the Netflix documentary sheep who you see sort of crammed together, barely any space to move, you feel really sorry for them. Guys, we're the sheep that you see emblazoned on the side of Tesco when they're trying to make themselves look really good and the sheep are just bounding around in these luscious fields. That's us, that's what happens when we choose his pen and when we choose to go through this main entrance. Tip number three, last tip for today. Rely entirely on the Good Shepherd. So, you've chosen the pen. You've gone through the front door. You're there. You've made it. Now, all you need to do is rely completely on him. I don't know how much you know about sheep. I don't know too much myself, although I'm sort of pretending to be one today. But I don't get the impression that they're particularly clever. Just hear me out here. Hear me out. When they, when they baa, I kind of like to imagine that they're saying something like, mmm, this grass is really tasty over here. Or, hey, where's that yellow circle in the sun, in the sky gone, rather? <laughs> it's disappeared again. Or maybe they're really, really clever and I'm doing them all a disservice. But what sheep definitely know how to do is how to rely on their shepherd. They rely completely on him. They're not claiming that they know how to do it. The shepherd says, I'm over here, time to go this way. And they all follow because they've learned that they can't do it themselves. Let's be like the sheep. And they've got such great intruder radars as well. I don't know whether you've ever had that really bad feeling where you go into a field and there's loads of sheep around and they just bolt in the other direction as soon as you get into it. And you just feel really guilty. But their intruder radar is hot, it's on it. 
and we can learn from that as well. As soon as there's danger, as soon as we feel ourselves slipping away, let's bolt, let's run to the Good Shepherd. I just want to uh, remind you of what can happen when we completely rely on God. There's a group of churches called Vineyards, some of you may be familiar with, and in April last year they released a book called Lockdown Stories. And this was only one month into lockdown and they had enough stories to fill a book, which I thought was pretty amazing in itself. And this kind of little section here is headed three healings during online church. So it says, on Sunday the 5th of April, a number of our team were praying during our online service and felt like God wanted to heal people with pain in the right side of the body. We shared this at the end of the service and prayed for healing. What followed was not one, but three stories of different people being healed in their homes. Maybe we'll have time for a couple. One, Jim shared that he felt like God was highlighting people with pain in their right side. I had been suffering for a couple of days with a sore right hip, which I think was because of a pulled muscle. I'd been using an ibuprofen gel for relief and doing what I could to try to ease it. As Jim prayed at the end of the service, I put my hand on the sore area and claimed God's healing for my hip. When I stood up, there was a huge improvement. On a scale of one to 10, I would say the pain went from an eight to less than a one, with just a tiny awareness of a bit of stiffness in the hip. Jim said he would continue to pray, and I continued to pray too. By Monday morning, it was completely pain-free and no longer stiff at all. Let's read the third one. I get chronic migraines exclusively on the right, of, right side of my head behind my eye and the new medication I was given stopped working a couple of weeks ago. I'd had a bad migraine since before watching the live stream on Sunday morning, which I was not enjoying. Doesn't say whether that was due to the quality of the stream itself or because of the migraine. <laughs> After the message on Sunday, Jim shared some words and pictures that the team had felt God wanted to move in. He mentioned something to do with the right side of someone's head and the moment he said headache, my migraine disappeared completely. And in a way, those are just some small examples from a local church, but it just reminds us, we put God in charge, we rely on him and everything changes, everything. And that was over the internet as well. He hasn't stopped moving, has he? <clears throat> so, I want to invite you to make this practical. Today, this week, all the time, ask yourself the question, where's God? Where's my shepherd? Okay, you've got a big family decision to make. Where's God? Where's my shepherd? You're doing that thing again and again that you really, really no, you shouldn't do, and it's pretty much turned into a habit by now. Stop. Where's God? Where's my shepherd? You're getting frustrated with yourself, angry at yourself. You feel trapped inside your own head. Stop, stop, stop. Where's God? Where's my shepherd? This isn't a Sunday God. Don't make him your Sunday God. Did you notice what it said in John? I lay down my life of my own accord. He didn't have to, 
but he chose to. He chose to do that so he could become your everyday God, so he could become your shepherd. Our Lord laid down his life not for doctrine, not for philosophy, not for show, but for his sheep. So I'm just going to invite Ian and Tina, if you want to come back up, that would be lovely, just as we respond this morning. So we've got a choice, haven't we? We've got a choice for what pen we're going to be in this morning. Some of you may know that you've always been in a different pen. And this is your chance today to say to God that you choose him. For some of you, maybe you're a bit of a on the fence kind of person. Sometimes over here, sometimes over there. Never fully committing to one thing or the other because it's a bit scary and you don't want to give up that thing. Again, it's your opportunity this morning to commit to him. Maybe you know that you have chosen his pen, maybe even for a long time now. But it's a daily choice. Every day we come to him and choose him again. So tell him why you choose him. Tell him how much you love him. Whatever you need to do, come and bring it up with him now as we worship a bit more. Amen.